that a positive thought or belief carries far more power than a thousand negative ones. Actually, more than 10,000 negative ones. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up where I talk about metaphysical concepts, bring them down to earth for your traction to help you rock your life. All right, today's question is uh, on maybe my favorite topic of all, and it's something I mention a lot, which was pointed out, but perhaps I haven't put legs under the table in a little while. So put on your seatbelt because I am going to show you how powerful you are with indisputable evidence. Mike, is it true that our positive thoughts are more powerful than our negative thoughts? Mike, you've mentioned many times over the years that a positive thought or belief carries far more power than a thousand negative ones. Actually, more than 10,000 negative ones. In all my metaphysical studies, I have not seen this said elsewhere or, or else I did not absorb it as such. I would love to believe it to be so. Can you please share how you've come to believe, embrace, and to teach this? Oh my God, it's so cool to be on the cutting edge of sharing truth to the degree that no one else is sharing it at all, yet by the end of these 10 minutes, you will be hands down, no questions asked, a believer. Yes, our positivity, and I'm going to define that word very importantly, is wildly more powerful than our negativity. As I often say, you don't have to worry that you worry. But let me share with you, and you're going to remember this, that roller coaster of emotion when you first came into truth. Do you remember? You were really annoying to all of your friends. You were like, I knew it. I knew I was powerful. I knew I wasn't being judged. I know that my, my dreams can come true, that there's a reason for this this fantastic dance of life on earth. It's all playing to my greater good. My thoughts become things. There's a law of attraction. Hallelujah. You remember that? And then maybe two days, two weeks into that, you suddenly realized that you think a lot of negative stuff. And you're like, if my thoughts become things and I'm just having these fights with my so-and-so, my friends, my family, I'm having these arguments, I'm worried about paying my rent, oh my God, I'm doomed! I have all this negativity in my head. That was me 40 years ago, 
And I would panic and I would freak out and I would try to be positive and it'd be like slipping in this nightmare where I was just losing traction and I was falling, falling, falling. Um, but a funny thing happened on my way down, if you will. I never really landed. I never really fell, not to the degree justified by my natural inborn abilities to be afraid of everything, to self-doubt, to self-loathe, to be terrified of life and all the bad stuff that could possibly happen to you. Holy mackerel. In spite of all my fears, I was generally really successful. I was like, that does not add up. And so I went on this like just kind of deep contemplative thought, which is like the, 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 the place to go for truth and answers. Everyone, you've got this ability. I'm not different. Think about something that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If thoughts become things, if believe in ye shall receive, and I believe I'm going down and people are making fun of me behind my back and that I can't say three sentences in a row to make sense, and yet those don't come to pass, something is a foot and oh my god you are gonna love this okay so i noticed that there's a, a mark twain quote that's very very famous let me read this short quote to you i've had a lot of worries in my life most of which never happened that's me how is that positive and at first i drew a slightly off conclusion I said, it must be that our positive thoughts are way more powerful than our negative thoughts. But immediately I slapped that down because what is positivity but judgment and subjectivity? And that is different from one person to the next to the next. One person's positive thought is someone else's nightmare. Indisputable. It's purely subjective. So how can you say positivity, particularly in a universe that's non-judgmental, right? It's non-judgmental. So to say positive thoughts are more powerful than negative thoughts is bogus. But something's going on. And then it dawned on me. As I teach and others teach, there is a truth in all things, time and space. It is absolute. It is objective. It is stark. It is black and white. It is benign. It is empowering. It is awesome. There is a truth. There may be many roads to Rome, but none of those roads changes Rome. There may be many ways to truth, but none of those ways change the truth. So don't think I'm starting a religion. I'm not talking about religions. I'm not talking about spiritual perspectives. I'm talking about the pillars of reality. That A is A. That thoughts become things. Okay. Uh, that we are all of God, by God, pure God. That we are all divine. That we are all one and connected. That everything is working to our greater God, greater good. Those are the absolute immovable pillars, even if you don't believe in them they rule your life. So given that there, there are these truths and that we are of God, by God, pure God, that either you believe in intelligence or it's all random chance chaos and your eyes tell you immediately there's beauty and intelligence in every single thing happening out there. Okay, so that nixes 
random chaos. All right, we never would have made it this far if it was random chaos. So there's a divine intelligence that we are born of through which all good things, all things happen. Therefore, it is indisputably true that we are careening through these kaleidoscopes, these jungles of time and space for the joy of it, for the love of it, for the fun of it. Even scientists know that time, space, and matter are relative, therefore illusionary. They're not what we think they are. They are not bedrock reality. Consciousness and intelligence is bedrock reality. The mind of God, which we are but a part of, is bedrock reality. So, there is this beautiful scenario that's indisputable on this planet with 100 million different species all cohabitating, uh, symbiotic relationships everywhere, flowers and birds and bees and oceans and snowfalls and prairie dogs. And it's so beautiful. We could just talk about this for, for the rest of my life and, and just cry nonstop. There's so much beauty everywhere. And therefore, you realize that you came from on high and the reason you're here had to be you chose to be here or God chose to be here. It didn't just happen. Oh my God, how did that happen? You chose to be here for incredibly loving, beautiful, adventurous reasons. You are like this tidal wave of energy cascading, careening through realities, eternal in nature. Your focus is creating and projecting your experience. This is who you really are. And therefore... When you think a thought or have a dream that is in alignment with truth, okay, not a positive thought or a negative thought, that's subjective, a thought in alignment with the beauty and the magnificence and the power that brought you here. When you think thoughts like that, which is totally your nature, boom, 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 they become things and circumstances relatively easy. Yes, you have to deal with time and space because we bought that ticket. We don't want spontaneous manifestations here. That's where we came from. Here, we want the challenge. We want the adventure. So thoughts become things when your thoughts are in alignment with truth. When you think thoughts that are out of alignment with truth, like, you know, life is stupid. People are mean. God is angry. I'm an idiot. I'll never do it. I'm too afraid. I'm too this. I'm too that. Those are lies. Those will always be lies. Those are your fleeting impressions, beliefs, perceptions of the moment. They don't stand a chance against the eternal nature of truth and your brilliant magnificence and beauty. Do you see thoughts in alignment with truth go with this torrent of energy that gets swept along into the beauty and majesty of creation? That's why you're here. Thoughts in contradiction to truth, like, you know, there's no point, there's no meaning, everybody's an idiot. Sorry, but those are really hard to become the things and events of our lives. You can do it. People have done it. But when you're just a little bit positive, knowing what we now know, who wouldn't be just a little bit positive? When you show up in spite of the odds, when you take baby steps, even though everybody wants what you want, Holy mackerel, you start leveraging your, leveraging your true divinity and the positive, so-called positive. Generally, let's just make a generalization, excuse me. Generally, our so-called positive thoughts are in alignment with truth, right? They're in alignment. So that's where I get off saying, 
our positive thoughts are 10,000 times more powerful than our negative thoughts. Okay, because I'm saying that our thoughts in alignment with our power and life's beauty, those are the positive thoughts. Okay, somebody could find a positive thought of somebody else's that's not really in alignment with truth, no question. But generally it's true. Now, here is the coup de grace. This is the absolute proof. Proof is in the pudding. Sit back, prepare yourself, because I know it sounds like wishful thinking, and oh, wouldn't that be nice? And only if I was a little more spiritual, then I could tell. You're already killing it, right? Right? Give me a break. Give me a freaking break. If life was total chaos, and you think a thought, it's going to become a thing. That thought could be blue. That thought could be pink. That thought could be high. That thought could be low. That thought could be positive. That thought could be negative. We live in a non-judgmental world. That's where you are coming from. Oh my God, this is when you think you're doomed. Oh my God, well, why wouldn't that bad thought become a thing when this good thought I never give any credit to and it's easier to believe in the bad and oh my God, I'm doomed. But you're assuming that there is no truth, that there is no tidal wave of intergalactic love that brought you here. You're assuming that you just showed up, life was here, and somehow you got you draw the short straw. You're assuming that you're not a creator. You're assuming that life is pointless when you think everything is a 50-50 shot. Just because we live in a non-judgmental world, as I said in last week's tune-up, does not mean we live in a neutral world. We do not live in a neutral world. Therefore, we live in a non-neutral world, which is just fun playing with words, but it reveals and reflects the fact that we're God Almighty, come alive in the dream of life, here because we could, here because we knew what we were doing, here for the joy of it, to love and to be loved. So back to the proof. If you're still here, oh, this is the proof. If life was 50-50, you'd smile the same amount of time in a day that you frown. 50-50, right? You'd laugh just as much as you cry. But that's not ever been true. You smile at least 10,000 times more than you frown. You smile for no reason. You smile and people wonder what's going on with you. You laugh at least 10,000 times more than you cry. You have clarity 10,000 times more than you're totally lost in the dark. Woe is me. What's my name? That's never even happened. You have friends more than you're all alone, and you've never been all alone your entire life. There's always somebody to call, right? Somebody to call. You've never been like, well, I don't know any human beings. No one likes me. That's never even happened. What happened to 50-50? You have health more than you're sick. There's the proof. You're not healthy half the time and sick half the time. And as I love to point out, usually when you're sick, you're still healthy. So healthy that you can watch the internet and walk around the house in your pajamas and turn on Netflix. Even in sickness, you're healthy. You're killing it. You're crushing it. Look at your life. You're no 50-50 shot of chaos. You're just cruising through these jungles of time and space. And you're like, is it true that positive thoughts are more powerful? Like, come on, take stock. Don't be listening to what all the other people are telling you about life is hard and people are mean and God is angry. It's a bunch of crap. Just look at your life and look at this. Even money. You've had money at least 10,000 times more than you've got none. Okay. You might like more money and sometimes the bank account was really low. or Sometimes you didn't have a bank account, but you had something in your pocket. Even money, which is so hard to get and everybody wants it. It's so elusive. You're killing it. Right? You're killing it. Your life, all of our lives, are provide overwhelming evidence 
that our default settings are to thrive and you didn't even know it. Can you imagine how unstoppable you're going to be now that you know it? Now that you see it, you take stock, you take inventory, you don't even need to worry that you worry. Now you know why I say that all the time. Your life is proof. And, and look at humanity right now. Okay, I've gone over 10 minutes. I'm at 15 minutes. I'm not stopping. Look at humanity. We have lived heretofore in this recorded history. There's been earlier civilizations that, that woo, they've done some amazing things, good and bad on earth. Many. Atlantis is just the beginning. But look at humanity as we know it. Okay, heretofore, most people either believe God was an angry white man with like juvenile, petty issues of being jealous and stuff, here to test you, torment you, and sentence you. Either most of humanity heretofore, recorded humanity, either believe God was an angry white man, that's probably 90% according to Pew studies, or 10% believe that life is a random chance accident, that, that it just is totally pointless, utterly meaningless. We're just lucky to have evolved out of the ocean, which is pretty uh, ridiculous, beyond ridiculous. Uh, so even with those idiotic thoughts, we still have blown the lid off of surviving. We've blown the lid off of 50-50, um, we have space stations, we have computers, we have Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Oh my God. If you're missing out on TikTok, you are missing out on the best social media out there. It's not even social media. It's the best entertainment in the world. Okay, I, I, I digress. Uh, we have DNA technology. We, have, we are just so amazing that even in the height of our stupidity, we succeed and we thrive and lifespans are expanding, getting longer mostly, although not always in the United States. Things are amazing even when we think so little about the nature of reality and ourselves. Can you imagine where we're going to when everybody lights up to the truth, when everybody sees what's patently obvious? Oh my God, so much love. So much tolerance, so much inclusivity, so much service, so much play, so much adventure. I love you. I love you. I love you will be the mantra of every human being because they love themselves, because they see their beauty, because they know of their power, because they're connected. And that's where we're going. John Bofello, Adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for another spiritual tune-up. Today's question, what about destiny and fate? Question, if things sometimes don't work out for the better, doesn't it mean that life is somehow predetermined? Surely, if we have a free will, everything would always work out as planned. Hmm, not quite. But let me just speak to perhaps a tiny flaw in the question. If things sometimes don't work out, everything always works out. Everything takes you higher into the light. Everything. Everything. Now that's not the question and I know what you mean. So I'm going to answer it exactly as you mean it. But so often I 
hear from people in audiences or online about like, you know, Mike, what do you do when everything's going great and suddenly something knocks the wind out of you? You know, how do you handle that? It set you back. You know, do you look for what's wrong with you? Do you just uh, roll with it? The presumption is a bad thing happened. And the more you steep yourself in truth, the more you realize there's no such thing as a bad thing in time and space. Yes, there's ugly, hideous, disgusting, but even those things seen from a far enough perspective back set you up for greater adventures, love, confidence, healing, etc. Now, let me get to your question. Um, doesn't this somehow mean that there's destiny or fate if you're not always getting good stuff? <clears throat> not at all. Um, what you experience is not a function of free will. It's not like if there's free will, you get all good stuff. A lot of everybody has free will. That's indisputable. Everybody has free will. But that doesn't mean everybody's wanting stuff that's good for them. Most people want stuff they think is good for them. Um, most people want dozens, if not hundreds of things at exactly the same time. Most people have desires that conflict with themselves. They want to have a lot of friends, but they also want to be quiet and left alone. Uh, you know how that is. So when we've got turmoil and chaos here, we have manifestations that ricochet all over creation, none of which implies that anything could happen to anybody. Anything and everything that does happen to you is a product of your thoughts becoming things, either taking you to what you thought of or taking you through territory that will lead to what you thought of. And sometimes it's taking you through territory that will lead to what you thought of that people are like, well, I didn't think that. Yeah, but you thought of something else just beyond it. And the only way there was to be drawn through unthought of territory. This is my talk last week. Thoughts become things. It never fails. You are the end all be all decision maker of everything that happens in your life. If anything, anything was destined or predetermined, you could never say thoughts become things. You could never say believe in ye shall receive. You could never say what goes around comes around. It would always be predicated on destiny. Thoughts become things unless something's destined. Thoughts become things, you get what you think about, uh, you believe and you shall receive unless there's some fate involved. Do you see how that would throw a wrench into the machinery? Take this all the way. Nothing ever can be predetermined. It would violate null and void our very reason for being here, which is to adventure and frolic and see what we can make of these jungles of time and space. It's to discover our power. Do you realize if even one moment of your life you had no power because of destiny or fate, which is what that implies, then you have no power ever. Nothing. Can't do it. What if you have a great big dream, but fate's getting in the way? Where's your power? You're not here to be buffeted about by the whims of some predestiny or divine fate. What would be the point? If, if there was fate, there'd be little to nothing to learn ever. We wanted the full deal, the, the full Monty, and you can have it. 
but it comes with a playing course that is wide open. So you don't get good stuff because you have free will. You only get the good stuff that you're talking about because you think of that good stuff, you speak of it, and you physically move towards it. A friend of mine, Sarah Landon, who is really brilliant, you can go to sarahlandon.com. She channels the council. She and the council say, you don't get what you want. You don't get what you need. You get more of what you are. That's deeper than it seems. What you are emanates your thoughts and your thoughts become the things and events of your life. It's thoughts becoming things is the end all be all. But wherever you are right now in your definition of self, in your definition of reality, in your understanding of the order, the compassion, the love that is everywhere, that's what you're going to get more of. Which is why I always say the more truth you have, the more you seek truth, the more you wonder about truth, the more you Go into deep contemplative thought. How could this be? And why am I here? And where is my power? And what is the reason? You attract truth to you. The more truth, the higher your vibration, the easier the life, the faster the manifestation. Everything comes to you easily. Everything comes to you effortlessly. The more truth, the more power, the more joy, the more love you allow yourself to feel. Love that was there anyway, but blinded by misunderstandings, giving your power away, thinking that some things aren't meant to be, thinking that God decides stuff and not you. Um, one more thought here that's a tangent, and it's one that I've heard many times brought up and I used to wonder myself. Surely, in divine mind, God, the universe, has already seen every eventuality play itself out. Therefore, God must know every possibility and how it's all gone. No, no, that is not the case in ways that we cannot comprehend with a physical mortal mind or even a mind beyond that. There are so many infinite, literally infinite possibilities that explain Banned literally off of every single new possibility. Every decision you make, and there are thousands in a day, if not more. And then there's seven and a half billion who are making thousands and thousands. Every single teeny decision splinters the world into parallel universes. And for every parallel universe, there is another splinter for every decision in that lifetime of yours. And the other seven and a half billion, not to mention the other 72 quadrillion, zillion, billion sentient creatures are in the physical universe, this physical universe, not to mention other physical universes that are also making thousands of decisions every single day, whatever a day looks like to some of those beings. And then there's the beings that don't live in time and space. They live, I don't even know where they live. I can't even comprehend that. But yet I know they're there and they're living and they're growing and they're thriving and they're loving in ways impossible to comprehend. This dance of life is per perpetually blossoming in an eternal now. And while there are distinct shifting probabilities and likelihoods, anything's possible, right? Me finishing the next sentence in Swahili is possible. The probability of that happening is like almost zero, but it's not zero. 
Uh, and I could do that for a zillion other things. Me finishing this, this broadcast, um, making my points, um, feeling good about it, loving you uh, in the next three or four minutes, extremely probable. So you do get people who can tune into probabilities and those probabilities might be a product of all the decisions by everybody involved. That doesn't mean that there was destiny or fate there either. It's not knowable. That's why we're here. This is the gift that you give divine intelligence to peer through your eyes and see a world that's never been seen before and to make decisions that have never been made before, to see what comes of it, to see how high you go into the light, to see how much love you allow yourself to feel, to find out how much love you can give. It's this most amazing, unending, nonstop, eternal now where everything that happens plays to your greater good. Nothing can take anything away from you. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up, this time on a topic that is literally and truly out of this world. Super exciting, a lot of fun. Don't let these kind of topics that I'm about to get into distract you from your amazing here and now, your rocking life. But by speculating and intuiting and reasoning about greater issues, we can have maybe more confidence in the majesty and miraculous nature of life and thereby get it on here and now. So, where did human beings come from? Okay, now I'm going to give you one of the most far out stories I have ever read and then I'm going to blow it to smithereens. So, I would pretty much be certain that you do not know where this is going and you will not know where this is going three, four, five minutes into this talk. So hang in there until the end because it's all good and it all dances with truth. It's just that truth is a many splendor thing. Okay, so I read this book that I got to share with you. This is a pretty unknown guy, Sal Rochelle, The Real History of Earth. He does readings. I've hired him and he's done a couple of readings for me before. He does some channeling stuff. So profound, but he's not really well known. I think right now he's hosting workshops in Egypt. Um, he's American, really good guy. Um, and he tells a story, the real history of Earth, that just blew my mind. And I'm going to drill down on it and uh, expand it from there. Uh, and it stems from a recognition just by evidence of ruins scattered around planet Earth, that our civilization is wildly older than our historians are telling us. Um, into the millions and millions, plural, of years. And when I say our civilization, I'm just talking about humanity on Earth. Uh, because there's been many civilizations of human beings uh, on earth all these millions of years. Uh, the ruins are everywhere, like every nook and cranny on planet earth. There's these stunning, shocking ruins. And you cannot successfully date rock. Okay, And they, they test some plates or organic material nearby 
Um, the most common forms of testing, I forget the word of now, is, you know, can only go like 37,000 years old. Um, so we have no idea through testing uh, the way we test how old civilization is. But Sal Rochelle, one more look at that book, states in a channeled trance um, that a long, 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 long time ago, more than we can even probably fathom, maybe a billion years ago, I don't know. He probably says, but I don't remember. There was life in this very solar system and it existed and flourished on the most exotic, beautiful, perfect planet in our very solar system. And of course, we're talking about planet Maldek, M-A-L-D-E-K, according to Sal. And the inhabitants thrived there uh, into technology, into their psychic awareness, into self-reflection, literally gods coming alive. But there were some immature souls in the ranks and they ultimately got into power. And despite the great vibe on planet Maldek, there ended up being the equivalent of nuclear war to the degree that they literally blew the planet to smithereens, which according to Sal explains the asteroid belt that's you know, so well known and documented. I don't know what planets it's in between, but you all remember learning about the major asteroid belt. That's planet Maldek. They blew it up. But prior to destroying it, they were so sophisticated, technologically speaking, that they had already established an outpost on the next most exotic, spectacular, beautiful, perfectly habitable planet in our solar system. You are not going to guess what that planet was. Mars. Right. And because the outpost was established and technology was already there to a degree, when Maldek blew up, they were able to build again and thrive again. And literally the canals, the famed canals of Mars, which scientists say now are not canals, they're natural formations. No, they were man-made canals all over the sur surface of Mars. It was a lush, green, thriving planet in our solar system until they started fighting again. And this time they wiped out life on the surface of Mars through nuclear war, but not before they had already established another outpost on the next most amazing planet in our solar system earth. And so while some were able to stay behind and live underground on Mars, presumably to this very day, according to Sal, pro there's so much profound stuff in his dozen books that is of a, a of a nature that it resonates truth. That when he talks about stuff like this, which I have no basis to to judge, um, I give him the benefit of the doubt because everything else is so amazing. So 
so life continued on Mars, but underground, because on the surface, it was obliterated a million years ago um, by warfare. But as I said, there was an outpost on Earth where I believe the Maldekians were, were connecting with some of the humans. I don't know if they were all humans. I don't know if we all came from Maldek. I need to reread it again. It was many years ago. Um, but basically, significantly, according to Sal, our global civilization is heavily influenced, perhaps through DNA, perhaps entirely their DNA, and through sophistication uh, with their technology, the Maldekians helped build up Atlantis, which is in the which is a earth create a human created civilization influenced by the Maldekians, if that's how you say it. Um, <clears throat> and then as the story goes, the Atlanteans, while highly sophisticated in technology, I totally believe in that civilization on Earth um, being highly, highly, highly evolved technically and spiritually but not spiritually enough to ultimately refrain from war. And many other inhumane um, ways of living, um, like discrimination, like uh, elitism, like exclusionary practices with different groups of people on planet Earth, to such a degree that basically the re <clears throat> the re there was a reset button. Some texts say there was nuclear war on our, our planet millions of years ago. I, I have no idea. Um, but either way, the continent sunk um, in one sense due to a necessary reset because of uh, behavior run amok. Not as judgment, not as punishment, but just because... They were so lost, they became so lost <clears throat> that it wasn't worth it to keep on to, to keep on living. They wanted to live better, and the only way to live better was thoughts become things, be drawn through unthought of territory, which is like hit the reset button. So there you have it. That that is one of the most compelling, fascinating, mind-boggling stories I've ever heard. Look at Mars, there's canals all over it. Look at the pyramid on Mars. Look at the, the face on Mars. Look at the other remnants that have been found and supposedly debunked by scientists who really don't know. Look at the fact that there are alien spaceships all over planet Earth all the time captured on video. Look at my other earlier spiritual... Now, I have not yet blown this up. I'm still saving that for last. Okay, something else is coming. This is going to shatter the whole thing. But look at my other spiritual tune-ups where we talk about um, you know, alien life and visitors and uh, psychic astral projections by aliens visiting us and what we're capable of doing of uh, visiting them. So here's where I'm going to blow it all up right now. But it's fascinating stuff, right? And um, it just kind of makes sense. I mean, if there's no such thing as time and we're eternal beings, you know, wouldn't it be kind of silly if time on Earth began 2,000 years ago, as some people think, or 5,000 years ago, or 1 million years ago? Like, why not, you know, 250 million years ago? Time is eternal. That's a drop in the bucket. Okay, so something I've always found kind of bizarre and almost annoying is um, folks who kind of say, and you'll think I just said it, you know, it's like, it's not about we evolved from the ocean as an amoeba. 
You know, it's not about creationism with God putting Adam and Eve on planet Earth, supposedly. <clears throat> we came from the stars. I think that's ridiculous. And that does not contradict what I'm saying because I didn't finish saying what I'm saying. Um, the idea that we came from the stars, as if that answered any stupid question. We came from the stars. Where did the star people come from? Oh, they came from other stars. Well, where did those people come from? Oh, they came from the other, other, other stars. It's like, that's no answer at all. Now, I don't dispute that we've been star hopping, planet hopping, for probably as long as there have been planets. But where did the first folks come from? No, not amoebas on Maldek or somewhere else. Evolution never explained the origins of intelligence and consciousness. Okay, never. Silly, crazy, stupid idea. Excuse me for anybody I offended. But when you dream at night and you're walking on your dream planet Earth, having an argument with uh, somebody who drove poorly, in your dream at night, where did you come from? Well, in your dream, the dreaming you would say, well, I was born in uh, 1990. Uh, I was born in Croatia. I was born, you know, then I went to college here and I went. To, ah, we, we have all that, those reasons, all those ideas. Those are not the now. Those are just what you remember and how you remember them. The point I'm making is, in a nighttime dream, even though there seems to be a history and a lineage um, it's a spontaneous manifestation that comes with a memory and uh, priorities and objectives. And it's not that you evolved out of a, an amoeba. And it's not that you're some, you know, placed here by God. Uh, it is totally different. And I would say the answer to creationism versus evolution, which I have already addressed, but not this tangent is that in the deepest sense, neither exists. Both are just constructs to, to kind of dance around the almost unanswerable question of how did it all begin? Where did it all begin? What was day one? But remember that question is fatally flawed because it's relying on time. And we know, thanks to Einstein and many spiritual teachers, that time's purely an illusion. In your nighttime dream, you didn't evolve. In your nighttime dream, God didn't put you down like a piece of clay um, on your dream sphere. We spontaneously create. And there's such a thing in science called spontaneous generation. There used to be a belief by some scientists that, that species would spontaneously generate from non-living matter. Okay, I totally believe that, except the last part, non-living matter. The view that we spontaneously generated from non-living matter means, must mean, that time and space and matter are bedrock reality. They're holographic images that we stream into place. So it's not like to have spontaneous generation, you have to have matter first, which is where the scientist erred. I know today the concept of spontaneous generation is supposedly proven false and totally debunked and never could ever exist. But that's all conclusions based on people who live as if time, space, and matter were reality and they don't get that it's our own projections. 
So I, I would submit to you that we are all spontaneously generating in an eternal now, right now. And the answer isn't evolution, creation, or we came from the stars. It's just that, boom, there you go. Here we are with a believed in past, which is just as fake as our, our streamed present and a believed in future, yet it all seems so real so that we can get it on, have adventures, be gripped by drama, be terrified, be lured by our dreams, discover how powerful we are, get to the top of the mountains like, this is where I started, oh my God, it's so beautiful, what a masterpiece, let me go live another lifetime. This is the nature of reality, and it's all happening inside the mind of God, and it's all thought, pure thought. It's your thoughts. You're a streaming manifester, and you didn't come from the ocean, and you didn't come from the stars, and you didn't get placed here by God. We are God. Come alive in the dream of life, and we're trying to put labels on it using time, space, and matter references that totally fail in the scheme of things, which does not negate the fact that you might be in Louisiana right now, the dream of Louisiana, it does not negate the fact that this is the year 2021, because we all believe in that illusion, that lie, does not negate the fact that there is a planet Mars that very likely was heavily populated. It does not negate the fact that Mars was populated by people from Maldek and that we may have DNA from Maldekians. None of that's negated, but there's a bigger picture that blows it all up saying and implying that it is not quite what we think it is. Whoa! Isn't this so much fun? Now, don't get distracted. Get back to your daily life, the beauty at hand. Just know that there's so much more splendor and magic going on than you could ever comprehend. And that if you want to be happy, if you want a new car, if you want a new boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, you can have it. You live in a dream world. Thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up. This one's a little on the heavy side, but hey, we're here to unravel all mysteries and to bring your metaphysical questions down to earth for traction. Mike, how does one overcome feelings of guilt? Mm. All right, well, some really good news here, and uh, this is not a whitewash by any means. You got to hear this one all the way out because I know what some will think. He's blaming the victims. No, no, no. I would not do that. But guilt, as is typically practice, practiced in these sacred jungles of time and space at this early juncture of our evolution, is uh, a horrific device of self-torture. That doesn't mean we can't learn from mistakes we've made. That doesn't mean there weren't mistakes. That doesn't mean there's not a higher path. But the best I ever read on guilt, which was like 30 years ago, the Seth material, I often quote the Seth information dictated, channeled by the late Jane Roberts. Seth says there's natural guilt and there's artificial guilt. The guilt you're talking about is artificial guilt. Uh, it's a guilt that assumes things that are completely false in these sacred jungles of time and space. Natural guilt, on the other hand, is just a device to learn that the stove is hot, that you hurt, you can hurt somebody's feelings, that you know every juncture in the road 
warrants some reflection and decision and not just random haphazard, hey, look at me, everybody, don't I rock, as you bulldoze through uh, the feelings of your friends and family and strangers. So let's talk about the false assumptions laden with artificial guilt, which is the whole purpose of this question, which is the whole problem with guilt as it is experienced in this day and age. Number one, guilt means you think you could have done better. Now, we could split that hair a good number of ways, but the reality is you couldn't or you would have. Given what you knew at the time, you did the best you could. You almost went the other way and it would have been roses, but you didn't because you couldn't. Give that to yourself. Nobody came here to be perfect. Everybody came here to learn. Everybody came here because they knew that they would slip and fall and get back up. And nothing better than getting to the top of the mountain than having been lost first. So once you get lost because you made some wrong turns, don't blame yourself with guilt and think, oh, it's, look, that was su supposed to happen. It was almost inevitable. Somebody might say, fairly and rightly so, that anyone else in your shoes at that juncture would have done the same. Jesus and Buddha in your shoes at that juncture would have done exactly as you had done. Of course, they wouldn't be Jesus or Buddha. They'd be you. That's the point. You're you. No one else can judge. Not even you should condemn. You can learn from the things that you wish you had done differently and make use of that wisdom because you've got forever, baby. All right, so um, don't think you could have done better. You, could, you can now do better in the future. But back then, it's water under the bridge. You did the best you could with what you knew at the time. Number two, artificial guilt usually means that you think the, those involved, other people affected by your irrational, premature, juvenile uh, decisions didn't have a choice to be within your reach. Now, this is so slippery and such a, a, a precarious part of this conversation. Please don't take it out of context. I am not blaming the victim. Uh, I don't believe in victims. I believe in volunteers. We all know the stage ahead of time, not just for our lives, but for each day before us. And we know what these probabilities are. And in one way or another, they serve us even though they can be ugly, even though they can be disgusting, even though they can be hideous. And that does not justify what other people do to other people, does not justify horrendous decisions you've made in your immaturity that hurt other people. I mean, I'm not saying it's okay in the sense that could be construed. It's not okay. It was wrong. And if somebody's violated you, press charges, file a lawsuit, do all of those things with love in your heart. But we all know the terrain ahead. We knew that this would be the wild, wild west, the jungles of time and space in their early dawn when man, woman, and child were running around like crazy folks uh, thinking that life is happening to them. And we knew that they'd be making some bad decisions. We knew we might make some really bad decisions, but it was all being played out in the heart of God and that we still would have eternity before us with these lessons under our belt. So those 
involved in whatever transpired for which you now feel guilt. That doesn't mean don't apologize to them. That doesn't mean don't make amends. Do make amends. That doesn't mean don't make reparations. Do make reparations. But in the deepest scheme of things, everyone here is a willing participant knowing that some bad stuff might go down. But, but wanting to be here in spite of that, for all the good, all the love, all the glory. This is not blaming the victim. Check out the earlier spiritual tune-ups that are titled Blame the Victim? Question mark, where I talk in depth about how these metaphysical concepts are not blaming anybody for anything. Okay, We're all here manifesting intentionally or sometimes unintentionally. The third flaw to artificial guilt means there's a presumption that because of what happened, the future is now tarnished. Now, again, we can split hairs. And, you know, maybe you landed in the hospital or somebody landed in the hospital or somebody's in jail or somebody passed. But those somebodies, including you, have forever. You could live a million billion more lifetimes and that would just be the beginning of forever. That does not diminish the value of any single life. That does not mean that violations or worse are okay. They're not okay. Okay, I, I am not contradicting myself. There just needs to be a spiritual lens here to sense that there is order. Doesn't put a happy smiley face on it, but at least we can at some level know that there was order, there's healing involved, there's love, and there's forever. So the idea that the, the future is tarnished not in the grand scheme of things. There was a, a PS to a note from the universe uh, that hit this point. No trifling of the past, no matter how great, can tarnish the brilliance of eternity. As Richard Bach said in his masterpiece, Illusions, that, that life is your workbook. Go ahead and muck it up, scribble on the page, Learn what you want to learn because you do want to learn stuff. It's your workbook. It is not reality as we typically think of reality. Now, I'm not diminishing the beauty of every single day. I still want all of my beautiful, beautiful days. Um, but it's easy to eat of the forbidden fruit and see things a little bit more fatally than they need to be seen. What do you think we should be saying to everybody today? Um, I lost my tooth. Want to tell people you lost your tooth? <laughs> he forced me to pull it out. Yeah, is that what you're going to tell them? Okay, so do you know that we're live now? Yeah, yes, you. okay, you can see it. The monitor says you're live. All right, well, Jumbo fellow adventurers, me and my partner here uh, in crime. Her name is Rebecca. And it is the first day of spring break. And as I was contemplating what to speak on and which questions to answer, she appeared in the office wanting to play with Crystal, who is usually at my feet, our little puppy. Can't show her to you right now because it'll mess up the um, webcam. So we thought we would just totally wing it. We, we don't have a concrete message. We have not prepared for this moment. Um, but happy spring break. Isn't that a good message? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
Okay, so now, uh, and I had, don't have school because today's the first day of spring break. Yeah, that's so cool. She gets uh, today off and next week off, uh, and she's going to celebrate that tonight the tooth fairy comes, right? Mm -hmm. Because this morning there was blood everywhere when she was eating her cereal. He forced me to. Forced you to what? Put on my tooth because that's why. Well, it was there was already blood everywhere, right? Yeah, and there yeah. was dangling, right? Yes. Were you in pain? Were you shocked a little bit? Did you cry a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, any any life advice for people for spring break? What could they do? What should they do? Um, the puppies are very cute. And puppies are very cute. Ours is growing fast. <laughs> and what else? Should... Uh, um, um, I don't know. Mm, well, let's tell them about you. You're a big time reader now. Yeah. You like reading, huh? To the point that you forget to make your bed and forget to brush your teeth. OMG. Uh, what else do you like? Reading um, Crystal. When Crystal's calm, I would lay down with her. She would lick me all over my arms, my chest. My neck, my cheeks, my forehead. So you like playing with your nose. puppy, our puppy Crystal. She's about 30 pounds now. Um, my, sometimes my nose. Sometimes your nose, uh-huh. All right, so the weather's getting warm, lots of sunshine. What are you going to be doing today? Going shopping because tomorrow I have dance competition. Dance competition, yeah, yeah. And what else um, going on this weekend? You got to... Got to get ready for a big day on Wednesday. What happens on Wednesday? It's huge. Oh, yes. I'm going to the Orlando Tree Track because it's my birthday and it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day birthday here. That's the deal. She's going to turn seven years old and she's going to go to the Orlando Tree Trek at Which some point in the future with her friends. Outdoor tree Bungee, not bungee, not zip bungee. line, zip line, yeah. climbing and more. You like to climb trees, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you're pretty good at all that stuff. Dancing trees, puppies. What else? Mm. Mm, math. You like math? No. Well, you're good at it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Why don't you go play with Crystal? All right. Thanks for indulging me. Didn't know where that was going to go. I don't know that it went anywhere. And at some point, you have to show Crystal. At some point. All right. Well, you maybe if you can gently pick her up, you can show everybody Crystal. Well, I will try to answer a question. A great question from a friend came in over the overnight. And the question was about... Um, let me see here. Let me see here. Let me see here. Hold on. What is reality? Hey, Jules out there, if you're watching. Um, the question was, first, if this is all an illusion, Mike, as you teach, why do we have emotions? And my answer, short and curt, was because we think it's reality when it's not. That's why we have these emotions. And that led to a follow-up question, which is kind of mind-numbing and nearly impossible to answer. If this is not reality then what is reality? And so that's something I, I'm going to speak to really quickly. Yeah, pick a crystal up oh, and she's right there. Don't, don't show Okay, maybe people can see Crystal. Okay, Crystal, make your debut to the world. Hi, Crystal. She's she a Heinz hi. 57. Hi, guys. And, um, hi, guys. 
She is most look looks most like a mountain cur. Okay, let's put Crystal down. Let her down. All right. Okay. Let her go. Let her go. So excuse this unusual tune-up. Yes, a very heavy. Very heavy dog. Yeah. Okay. So so what is reality? And oh my gosh, where do you begin to answer a question like that, particularly? with the stipulation that time, space, and matter are not reality. They're not reality. They're illusions, according to Einstein, according to any and all metaphysicians. So what is reality? Um, I, I get that it is very fair to call this reality, okay? We're all dealing with um, our lives and shelter and food and love. I mean, this is a reality. But is it the reality? And the, the suggestion is, no, it is not at all reality. The, the, it is not reality. What is real? What you feel is real. Uh, the drama, the drama is real. The highs and the lows are real. This is what divine intelligence cannot experience unless it fleetingly believes in the lies of time, space, and matter. Here, there, later, before, after, this, not that, have, have not. All of those fleeting lies, the illusions, pull our heart forward. They terrify us. They excite us. They make us go out on journeys through which we have a kaleidoscope of all of the emotions. Emotions are the jewel and the reward of living in the illusions. And they are heightened by our belief that the illusions are reality and that you only get one chance and you only live once and time is fleeting and you're getting older and lions and tigers and bears. That's yeah, why we're here. Okay, no more, no more, Rebecca, please. Uh, so, so what is real? It is what you feel. Okay. Now you could say, well, where did that begin? And you could ask a lot of tangents to derive at a, a maybe m more meaningful definition of what is reality. But I think some things are, are unable to be grasped by the human mind, which is wired to the illusions of time, space, and matter. You know, beyond here, where we came from and where we're going, I'm sure we'll have a much better handle on the truest nature of reality. So I think it's fair to say that while this is a reality, it is not the reality. The illusions exist uh, to such a degree that we think we come as an afterthought and that we are therefore kind of being batted about by the illusions. That life, it feels like life is happening to us. We're not realizing that we are happening to life. And in the meantime, journeys, adventures, love, emotions, the, the real fruit that add to this adventure uh, and make it worthwhile because it's for the fun of it. That's what's going on. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!